This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, and Gregory Hall for the weekly Media Monday podcast. Guys, there's certainly been a lot of news surrounding the UNC football program. Let's go ahead and start, though, with getting Greg Barnes your thoughts on UNC's game against App State. Tons of takeaways from that one. What was your major few, though, Greg? Well, the one thing we talked about before the game was that North Carolina could not allow App State to take an early lead because that would that would confirm to that team, even with the new coaching staff, that they can compete uh, and would get their fans involved. And that is exactly what happened. You know, there was the potential there when North Carolina scored first to go up seven zip. You're thinking, okay, if they can they can manage this and maybe get another a touchdown or so, this this maybe will will snowball on App State. Uh, of course, it didn't. App State, uh, Demetrius, Demetrius Taylor was just fantastic at defensive end for them. He made some game-changing plays, multiple of them. And I think that the sack fumble where he picked it up and, and rumbled 20 yards for a touchdown, uh, that completely flipped momentum. And uh, by the time North Carolina was able to regain some momentum, they were down 17 points. And yet again, uh, App State is, is too good of a team, just like Wake was. Uh, to have to battle uphill throughout the entire second half. And so as we've gotten four games in, we're, we're seeing a lot of these kind of mistakes continue to happen. You know, uh, Mac Brown talked about kind of the roller coaster effect where they're good at times and then bad at times, and you've got to level that out. Um, and what's happened is they've played well enough at times to be to be in these games at the very end, but the last two have not gone their way, and that's why North Carolina – after a, just an incredible 2-0 start, now they're on a two-game losing streak with, with Clemson coming to town. Now, Ross, Inside Carolina's Taylor Viplis wrote the article that summarized it as the better team won, meaning that App State you know, just was flat out the better team on Saturday. A lot of the fans, though, have kind of split on this issue. Do you think that the Mountaineers really just were the better team this season, or do you think that the Tar Heels kind of gave this one away with some of the unfortunate missed defensive assignments and turnovers that they had? I think the big thing with uh, UNC's loss was that App State was a really good team with experienced talent with 16 returning stars. A lot of juniors and seniors have played in big games. We talked about before, Talked about that before the uh, the game, and UNC has a ways to go in terms of returning to where Mac Brown and the fans want this team to be. Um, they were exposed in certain areas, and I think the lack of depth reared its head. And again, App State has good players, playmakers on offense, a game changer on defense, and Demetrius Taylor. And they capitalized on turnovers. They capitalized when they got the ball in good position to score. They got chunk yards. UNC defense 
struggled to be consistent. The offense struggled for parts of the first quarter, second quarter, and third quarter before turning it on. And overall, I mean, I think App State's a really, really good team with a lot of talent that's uh, going to win a lot of games. I think UNC, I think fans now are kind of realizing that, you know, UNC lost to two good teams. They won and, and beat, you know, teams that maybe aren't as good as we thought they were going to be in Miami and South Carolina. They're sitting at two and two at square one with number one Clemson coming in town on Saturday. Yeah, Gregory, how do you think the fan base is right now, given that they are in that two and two spot, like Ross mentioned, having lost to two teams that I feel most fans had down as wins, winning the two games that a lot of fans had as losses. Just what do you think the overall temperature is right now amongst the UNC faithful? Saturday was a tough loss. You could see it when talking to the players after the game, when hearing from Mac. You could kind of see it as fans were, were funneling out of the stadium. That, that was a gut-wrencher, especially because they were riding high. Like you said, after those two wins, a lot of people maybe didn't think they were going to win. And then you kind of hear, all right, well, we're 2-0. and We're going into Wake Forest and Appalachian State, games that people thought they were going to win. And then you're, you got talk around 4-0 heading to Clemson. Maybe game day is going to come. And then you obviously fall to Wake. I think that hurt. But people were like, all right, 2-1. We've got App. Um, we know they're good, but, like, we should still win at home. And then that doesn't happen. And I think initially – it's like I said, just a gaunt wrencher. People weren't expecting it. They're not happy. It's another in-state loss. But then I think maybe Sunday and even today, more realistic fans are kind of thinking, all right, well, at this point in the season, we probably thought we were going to be two and two anyway. Um, so I think, I think the more realistic fan is kind of like, okay, reset. We're two and two. We thought we we're going to be two and two. We should have been two and two. It just didn't happen the way we expected it to happen, but it doesn't help that the two losses are coming right into Clemson, uh, especially, I mean, Clemson's number one team in the country. I think we can all agree on there's really no expectation that UNC is going to win that game. Um, so I think that doesn't help because you never want your team as a fan to lose three straight. Um, so I think that has something to do with it as well. I think there's a, a loss of momentum, as Gregory kind of alluded to there with this team. They're riding high, and now it's uh, you're kind of dragging your feet reluctantly into this Clemson game, kind of knowing you're going to lose. And then the season really starts with Georgia Tech and more of the Coastal. Uh, John, you as a fan, which games would you have rather won? The two in-state games or the two games they did win? So I think for me, I honestly would have taken a win against App State and South Carolina would have been the two. The loss to Wake, it, it is what it is, but Wake is a really good team, and UNC has historically had some trouble playing in Winston-Salem. The Miami game is one of those that it could potentially be big when it comes to playing for the Coastal Division, but that future is just so uncertain. South Carolina was a big win because it kind of set the tone, and then I think that if UNC was able to beat App State, have the win going into Clemson, you at least have the fan base with the air of, all right, well, we took care of business against a team that we were su- supposed to win. UNC was favored in that. They were not favored against Wake Forest. So, yeah, I think I would definitely would have taken a win against App and a win against South Carolina. So basically just swap out the Miami for App State results. Um, and I think the, a lot of fans probably feel that same way, especially looking at the message boards. Now, as far as you know, what went wrong, though, against App State, 
there were a lot. And I think the, the two biggest things were the offensive line and then the defense giving up big plays. Greg, go ahead and pick one of those two topics as why do you think it went so wrong for the heels against the Mountaineers? Let me say this real quick while we're on that topic. I think for the fan base, you knew what was going to take place this year. You knew there was going to be a rebuilding process involved. The best case scenario for anybody through the first month of the season is to somehow steal that Miami game. The other games don't matter. The only way those games really matter in the grand scheme of things is if you're playing for like a uh, you know, uh, New Year's Day six bowl. And that was not going to happen. That was not in the cards for this year. You win Miami, regardless of what happens against Wake or App or even Clemson, you've got a critical win in, in coastal division play. So as you get to October, everything resets. You can forget about the first month of the season. You lived it. You experienced some things. Forget it. Now the real season begins. I think Gregory's exactly right. Everybody was so upset Saturday. I think as you, you get into this weekend, you see exactly what type of program Clemson has. You see that massive hill that North Carolina has to climb over the next couple of years. The fan base should be able to get a reset. And they say, okay, now we can win the Coastal. We're in position to now that we won that Miami game. The Miami game is a game changer. I think if you swap that game for Wake or for, for App, I don't know that you have the warm and fuzzies once you get to October, especially if there's a, a beat down this weekend, which may or may not happen. Um, now, to your question, um, I'll let Ross has been kind of focused on the offensive line, so I'm going to let him handle that. So I'll talk about what happened defensively. And I think one of the frightening things for, for North Carolina right now uh, is they gave up five plays of 30-plus yards. That is not good for, for a defense that kind of prides itself on uh, you know, protecting the back end, not allowing on the explosive plays while being able to attack you're at the line of scrimmage um, one of the more troubling stats i think for north carolina at this point in time in acc play north carolina is tied with florida state uh, for the uh, 11th most 20 yard uh, plays allowed with 20 north carolina has allowed 20 20 yard plays in four games and, and part of the reason there is that north carolina has missed a boatload a boatload of tackles they missed 15 against South Carolina. They missed 16 against Wake. They missed 15 against App State. Uh, one of the worst teams in Power 5 in terms of uh, their tackling ability if you, if you go by the uh, pro football focus stats. So, um, you know, Jay Bateman's doing a good job of getting these guys, you know, for the most part, in position to make those plays, to make those tackles. Uh, you know, the guys are just not executing. And so, uh, as, as Mac Brown has said, that's really on the coaching staff. You know, if the effort's not there, that's one thing. But the coaching staff has to make sure these guys are in the right spot and they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. If not, find somebody else to do it. That's on the coaching staff. And that's just one of the trials and tribulations of this coaching staff. With such an inexperienced team, when you throw in some injuries, you got a lot of young guys trying to make these tackles. But, I mean, you know, Miles Wolfolk has missed a lot of tackles, and he's, he's a veteran player. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but he's he's near the top of the list in terms of the missed tackles this year. So it's not just the young guys, uh, but that has to improve. Uh, that was a big problem against App State, and uh, you know if, if North Carolina doesn't correct that moving forward, uh, that does not bode well for this defense. 
Well, Greg, I know that you mentioned Ross has been covering the offensive line there. Unfortunately, he just had some technical difficulties, so he's going to have to drop out the podcast at this point. Uh, but, you know, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Mr. Gregory Hall. You know, about the offensive line, Gregory, what, what have you observed about their play so far this season? And do you think that there is still some hope that they can kind of salvage it um, and really turn it around for the rest of this year? I think there is some hope that they can salvage it just because, I mean, you're without Nick Polino starting center. Charlie Heck, who's probably is an NFL offensive lineman, probably at left tackle, misses that at state game. But even with the offensive line struggles, the team itself was, was still in these last two games. And um, Brian Anderson has gotten more and more reps. As Max said, as Phil Longo has said, these young guys, although they might only have, what I think was 10, 10 combined starts going into the App State game total, all they can do is get more reps, learn, improve. So, so I think that's where it's not, it's not over for the offensive line. Um, now, if, we, if you ask me the same question, maybe two, three, three, four weeks from now as we head into the final four games of the season and nothing's improved, then maybe. Um, but with, with these young guys, I think it's important to just to get the reps, build the trust, as uh, I think Mac alluded to today or Phil Longo alluded to today about as you're moving guys around when you're trying to figure out where these young guys fit in in the offensive line, you can't build trust. So, so once they figure that out, they can build up trust, they can improve, and then I think things start to look a little brighter as far as offensive line goes. You know, Greg, Mike Ingersoll has talked about it on my podcast with him and EJ Wilson that an offensive line just needs, you know, hundreds of snaps in actual games in order to really form that cohesion. So do you think that UNC fans have been maybe a little bit overly critical on the offense as a whole, just given the experience that they have right now along the offensive line? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think you could say that. I think you can say that the fan base is, is overly critical most of the time, even when the team is good. Uh, but yeah, I think the fact that, I mean, I don't know exactly how many starts the starting five had prior to kickoff on Saturday, but it couldn't have been more than a dozen. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, two freshmen and, and three sophomores. So uh, you, it is. Ingersoll is exactly right on that. And that's the one position group. You know, wide receiver, if you've got a five-star true freshman, throw him out there. You know, he's playing his own position. And as long as he's running somewhat correct routes, he's going to be okay. And even at quarterback, I mean, if you've got a kid that, uh, that has some guts about him and can, can understand the playbook like Hal's doing, he can be effective. He may not be great, but he can, he can be okay. But when you're asking a player like that to work in a cohesive manner with other guys who are equally um, as uh, inexperienced, now you've, now you've got an issue. Uh, and so certainly, as Gregory said, I mean, th- this group is only going to get better. Uh, and this kind of gets back to what I was talking about earlier with you know, winning the Miami game was so important because – you can learn, you can build experiences through the Wake and App State and Clemson games. Even if you lose those games, you're building reps, you're building experiences, those shared experiences that are so critically important so that when you do get to October and the, the Coastal Division really begins, you've kind of got your feet wet. And so I think that's, 
that's the key component of it. Yeah, yes, the the fan base is going to be harsh. That's kind of what fans do. Yeah, they're they're high when the team wins. They're low when the team loses. Um, but Phil Longo has his hands full because not only do you have a a true freshman quarterback, you've got a very inexperienced offensive line. I'm not sure how long Charlie Heck's going to be out. Seems like Nick Polino's going to be out for at least a few more weeks. Um, so that that's still going to be an issue there. And you know, just you've got to rely on the the ground game to protect Sam Howe. If you don't have that, that cohesion up front, you really can't provide a, a consistent ground game, which puts Sam Howe in a lot of these third and long situations, which is tough for any quarterback, especially for you know a kid who was playing high school ball this this time last year. So um, it is a challenge, and it will be a challenge. Uh, maybe no no more than it will be on on Saturday. That that could be be ugly at times, uh, but North Carolina just has to work through those experiences and, and try to get better from it. Absolutely. And, you know, going up against Clemson will kind of show the heels exactly how big the gap is between themselves and Clemson and as a program and a team. Let's go ahead and talk about that here coming up, but let's take a quick moment to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. The football season is in full swing, and the basketball season is actually just around the corner as well. This weekend is going to be jam-packed for UNC fans. You've got Late Night with Roy on Friday night, and then the big matchup against Clemson in football on Saturday. So if you're going to be on campus, make sure you swing by Franklin Street. Visit the Johnny T-Shirt location right there. They've been in business for years. They are an icon in the Chapel Hill community. They are locally and alumni owned, and they have the absolute best customer service. You can also get the brand new Mac is back and return of the Mac t-shirts. So Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. You can always shop at their website if if you're not going to be able to make it to Chapel Hill. And also remember that if you are a a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders. You can get that 10% off either shopping in stores or at GiantT-Shirt.com. You can get the code from the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. So again, that's GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Your place to go for Carolina gear. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall. Right before we went to break, we mentioned about how UNC is facing the very daunting task of playing the Clemson Tigers on Saturday. So, Gregory, today for the press conference, what would you say the overall mood and the vibe was between Mac Brown, Phil Longo, and, and Jay Bateman? Opportunity. I asked them about how much do you kind of play into the underdog factor. Um, and both Mac Brown and Phil Longo said, we just need to worry about us. Um, when you have the number one team in the country coming into play, it is an opportunity to play at maximum effort, maximum level, show maybe pro scouts and your fan base and the rest of the country that you can play with that top level talent. Um, so, and then when someone asked Jay Bateman about Clemson, like, how do you stop Clemson's offense? He kind of was like, well, I mean, how do you want me to answer that? Just Cause no one really has been able to do it. 
But I mean, it, like he said, also, it's not like they're going to coach any differently. Um, they're still going to get their guys ready to play. Um, they kind of are accepting this challenge. And um, like I said, they're kind of viewing it as an opportunity to play the number one team in the country and to see how well you stack up with the best. Yeah. And I really thought I agree with Gregory on that, but also kind of got a more of a realistic conversation from the coaches. I think today in terms of the first couple of weeks, it was very much like, you know, we're riding this wave. We have things we have to correct, but the guys are in a good spot and we're just going to try to build on that. And today it was, it seemed much more, especially for Mac, that we should be getting better each week. We can't have this situation where we we played better against Miami than we did against South Carolina, but then we had this big dip down the wake. And we got it back up at the end of the game, but it wasn't enough. And then we went back down against App. Uh, And so it just seemed to be very much like, okay, we're starting to get a hand on who we are. Um, And it's an inconsistent team. And so here are some areas where we're having some problems and we've got to correct those issues. So certainly, like Gregory said, there was the opportunity of, of this game and kind of a, a litmus test, as we always talk about when you're playing you know, some of the top teams in the country with, with any sport. Um, but it just seemed to me there was a little bit more there. of Okay, we, we have these issues. We have a pretty firm understanding of what our issues are. We've got to figure out how to address those issues as best as we can. And as far as the injury news that came out of the press conference as well, you know, Gregory, kind of the big surprise there was that Charlie Heck, who was a huge loss on Saturday against App State, looks like he is actually still questionable for the game. The injuries just continue to mount up for the heels. What was your overall takeaway from the official announcement as to which players were banged up at this point in the season? Uh, I think Matt kind of, uh, he mentioned how these injuries are continuing to pile up. They are looking into the injuries about why this is happening. And his answer was death issues. Uh, It seems simple, but when you can't play young guys or you don't trust young guys, um, or there aren't, uh, you don't have a lot of seniors more than just the first strings, those guys have to play a lot. And they have to play hard. And that was kind of his explanation for why these injuries are happening. Um, as far as looking forward with playing with all of these veteran guys injured, it forces UNC to play young guys. And um, Mac mentioned on the, his radio show tonight that they haven't been able to because they've been in four really close games of uh, four close games where Mac doesn't know if he's had a four game stretch where every game has come down to the last play or not. So with these injuries, they're forced to play younger guys. Miles Wolfolk's down. Other than the tackling, he's been one of their best defenders as far as coverage. And he has uh, three interceptions. And so now Jay Bateman has to play Cam Kelly, who kind of got forced into the game against App. He played some snaps at safety. Um, and then maybe you start thinking about, well, instead of Cam Kelly playing the whole time, like Miles Wolfolk has, you throw in Don Chapman, who Bateman has been riding high on. Um, and we've already kind of, we already talked about the offensive line, but it just, those guys need snaps. Um, so maybe it, it, moving forward, yes, it sucks that these veterans, the guys are getting injured um, for UNC, 
but it does force young guys to play. And they now, a lot of them will probably see a majority, some of the most playing time they have this season against the number one team in the country. So what better way to kind of see where they're at than against the best. So I think that's where they're at as far as injuries go. And then Greg, what do you think the most significant injury that's currently facing the heels is right now? Do you think it still goes all the way back to the loss of Nick Polino or have some of the more recent guys that have gotten banged up? Is it one of those that now stands out to you as being the most impactful? That's a tough question, John. I really think it's kind of a collective thing because, I mean, just think about the guys we've named. Polino, Heck, Wolfolk, Renee. I mean, even Jace Reuter as a you know, backup at quarterback. I mean, these are guys at key positions, and these are leaders on the team. Um, you know, Strobridge, he's, he's effectively missed the last two games. I know he tried to give it a go against App State, but clearly not, not his uh, normal healthy self. I mean, so you're talking about veteran guys who've played a lot of snaps. They've been through some tough times, so they're good leaders, and they're not out there. Um, I, you know, if I had to pick one, yeah, I'd probably go back to Polino. Uh, just knowing that, you know, the coaching staff was willing to move him from guard where they liked him to center. And he took one for the team because they knew they were going to go with a, a true freshman quarterback. And they wanted an experienced veteran guy there at center, even if that's not his best spot. And so when you remove him from the equation, Yes, you have Heck, who is a a fifth-year guy, but he's at left tackle. He's not in the heart of that line. But the Wake Forest game, I think, spoke volumes. Um, Because, I mean, you say Tratt, right? Who who was best to defend him? Patrice Renee. App State, who was their best player defensively? Demetrius Taylor. What side was he off of? He's working off, you know, the right side of the defensive line, which means he was lined up with uh, Joshua Zudu, who took over. Charlie Heck's spot at left tackle. So the matchups have not been in UNC's favor with these injuries. Uh, but I, I think if you take, if you step back and take a program building view, I think Gregory's points are, are on point. I think they're excellent. That you need young guys to get reps. And this is not the way that you want that to happen, but it's good for these guys. It's going to give them great experiences. It may not pay off this year, but it will make next year's team that much better. And I know fans are are hopeful for what this year can bring. But get to a bowl game however you can and really try to set the table for next year. I think that's how you have to approach this, especially with how the, the injuries have worked out. And then, Gregory, turning to what offensive coordinator Phil Longo had to say, it sounds like he brought up again the fact that the offense just starts slow in games and then they really turn it up late. Were there any specific comments that he made about that that really stood out to you today? We asked the players, what's with these uh, slow starts? What's, what's with these holds? And today, uh, Phil Longo was like, there, there really has a bit of commonality. Uh, the whole with App State was turnovers. Um, the hole with Wake Forest was energy. Um, the hole with Miami, I think, was maybe more on Miami's side than UNC's. Um, I mean, UNC was up 17-3. to three, um, And then I think Miami kind of started to figure it out, settle down, and stalled them that way. And then with South Carolina, you can maybe kind of point to 
Sam Howell's first start, uh, the offense's first first game as a whole meshing together. Um, so I think when you look at it, yes, they always need to come back in the fourth quarter, and they've excelled at that, um, even though they're two and two. But still, they've they've been there. Um, so I think what stands out from Phil Longo's comments was the no quit part. Um, and Mac also talks about it. Uh, he Mac has said that his players have done exactly what they've they've asked them to do. The anomaly, as was talked about a lot today in the press conference, was the second quarter issues. Uh, I don't I don't know the the numbers off the top of my head, but I think the largest discrepancy in UNC's points scored with their opponents' points scored is in the second quarter, and it's not even close in the other quarters. Um, Mac didn't have an answer for that. He was like, that makes no sense to me. Zero sense. Um, which, when you think about it, it, it's, it really doesn't make that much sense. Um, so I think that stood out today. Um, and just these coaches, all those back-to-back uh, losses that they didn't want to see, they didn't think they were going to see, they're, they're not losing faith in their guys um, because there really, there really hasn't been uh, any quit. And, and that's, that's what you want to see um, from, as a, from a coaching standpoint and from a fan base standpoint. Yeah, I've got those numbers for the second quarter. Uh, UNC has been outscored 41-13. to 13. On the flip side, they've outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter 45-9. to nine. Um, Yeah, I, I think the fourth quarter means a whole lot more. I mean, for obvious reasons, but just in terms of that being the, the final phase where everything has to come together. When you start talking about the first, second, third quarters, you know, we're talking about four games. Um, it's just kind of a, a fluke more than anything. It's not like North Carolina gets to the second quarter and says, oh, all right, we're going to play like crap for the next 15 minutes. This is kind of how the, the, the math works out. Uh, but as Gregory said, really the, the key takeaway is uh, the fact that the Phil really believes these guys buckle down uh, when they have to. And the key is, as good as that is at the end of halves, whether it be at the end of the second quarter or the end of the game, that's what you want more than anything. But now you've got to make those guys play with that same level throughout the game. Um, and once you can do that, you're going to be better off. You you much rather have guys that can close strong, though, and that enjoy and embrace the pressure than guys that, that do the opposite. Greg, how do you think the coaches are going to keep the team looking positive, though, going up against Clemson? They're heavy underdogs. It's over a 24-point spread. What do you think their message is going to be to these guys going into a game that they are just, everyone's expecting them to not only lose, but lose big? Well, I think what you have to do is you have to continue to to preach your message uh, that you've got to craft the identity that you want. And that's one thing Mac talked about after the game against App State, you know, the identity right now is kind of that up and down. And he wants the identity to be consistent performance. It doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter if you're playing Mercer or if you're playing Clemson. You play at a level that you've set. And if you get your butt kicked playing at that level, that's one thing. If you beat somebody by 28 playing at that level, that's something else. But the point is you play at that same even kill. Um, and that's more more important than the you know, the scoreboard right now. That's more important than the win-loss column is you have to first you teach your process that, hey, this is what we expect from all you guys. We don't care about the scoreboard. We want you guys to hit all these benchmarks. If you do that, 
then eventually the winds are going to come. But until you actually buy into what we're preaching, uh, we may get lucky and win a game here or there. We're not going to be on the upward trajectory that we want with this program. We're not going to be competing for the ACC title in two, three, four years. Uh, and so it's really just kind of making sure the players know what's most important is what we do, not what the team we're playing does. And that was one of the things the coaches really talked about today is we've got to get better you know, at our level first. I mean, forget about who we're playing. That's important. But if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we certainly do not have a chance on Saturday. Um, but if we can accomplish what we need to, once we get into the game, then maybe we have a chance. I think that's the that's the primary message, and that's that's how you keep those guys locked in. They're not worried about the opponent. They're worried about themselves. All right, Gregory, you are going to get the final word on the podcast here. How do you think the team themselves will prepare mentally to take on Clemson? I think it's a little different than maybe, say, Wake Forest or, or App State, I guess. I mean, I think the, the difference there is, I mean, those are in-state games, so the, those are big games. But as an athlete, you look forward to playing the best. Um, there, when you get to this level, there's not, I mean, maybe in middle school, elementary school, young youth sports, like the big team rolls in and you're terrified and you're like, oh, man, we're going to get our butts whooped. This isn't going to be any, be any fun. But at this level, like this is this is what you want to do. This is these are who you want to play. You'd rather play. I mean, I think if you gave them the option, they'd probably rather play Clemson more than say FCS teams like Mercer. Uh, I think just because they want to show off, showcase their talents, and and they want to be challenged. Uh, at least that's what you would hope your the guys would say as far as um, a coaching staff goes standpoint, but. Yeah, like the, the the mentality going into this game is Clemson has won 30, 30 straight games, I believe. That it, it has to end at some point, so why not this weekend? And obviously that's reaching. It's probably not going to happen, but as, an, as a player, that, that's what you expect out of yourself. You expect greatness, um, and just because they've lost two tough games, doesn't mean that they can't play great against the best. So I think I think that's where the mentality lies heading into the number one team in the country coming to Chapel Hill this weekend. All right, good deal, guys. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in. We will be back next Monday for another Media Monday podcast. Hopefully, Ross's internet can make it through that one so we can get his thoughts as well. But for tonight, guys, thanks a lot for talking with me. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.